recording. All right, well, hello everyone and welcome to Get Podcasts. I am Tim Malone, executive coach and owner of Your Life's Direction. Your Life's Direction is an executive coaching and a learning and development consulting firm. And I have been doing this for about four and a half years and I am really excited to continue our conversation to talk about leadership. So what is a GET podcast? Well, a GET podcast is, as the name suggests, where learners can gather, empower, and transform together. We do this through a series of insightful podcast discussions with expert leaders from all backgrounds in all industries. And if you've listened to a GET podcast previously, then you know we spend a lot of time talking about leadership. Today, I am very pleased to be joined by Dominic Forth. Dominic is founder and CEO of the TV Bookers. Dominic has extensive experience in the marketing and the branding of organizations and people and is familiar with the need for leaders to bring their best self to work every day. Dominic, I am thrilled that you um, have agreed to participate in today's podcast. I'm really very excited to have you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me today, Tim. I'm I'm really uh, excited to talk about this topic and just share about um, you know a little bit about my experience as well. That's really great. Dominic, you do have quite the body of work. I'm wondering to get us started today, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing today? Yeah, and so uh, last October, I launched the TV Bookers, and I didn't realize at the time, but it's really the culmination of about 17 to 20 years worth of experience in media. And so during this journey, I've had many different roles um, some um, in leadership roles, some as a leaders of leaders. And um, it's just made me realize how important relationships are because with the TV bookers, we lean heavy into relationships where we'll place entrepreneurs, thought leaders, business leaders on major news channels all over the country uh, as interview guests. And so quite often we're able to place people through relationships that I've had either with other leaders or other leaders of leaders and general managers and so forth. So um, it's funny that when you're on the journey, sometimes you don't realize what the journey is. Oh. And it feels really nice to actually be, you know, now found and CEO of a firm that I feel like is almost like a destination, which is still on its own journey, but the culmination of all the experience I've had so far. So um, you're happy to be here and um, be a guest of the show. Good. Well, I am looking forward to it, and I and I and I'm already excited about the opportunity to not only talk about leadership and specifically leaders, leader of others, um, and how to how to lead leader of others, but also anything that you can add um, from an an insightful perspective into relationships. I think that we've talked a lot about relationships on this podcast, and so. Um, don't 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 feel like you're going to be reiterating anything that's worth hearing again. Um, so so Dominic, again, really thrilled to have you. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about our conversation um, today. Um, again, as I discussed earlier, the focus of these get podcasts is all about leadership. Now, you and I both know that leadership is a very very broad topic. 
we can spend, excuse me, we can spend hours talking, excuse me, about the different aspects of leadership. But with that in mind, I'd like, I'd like you to, um, for, I'd like you to provide your definition of, of what is leadership? How do you see leadership? Yeah, it's such a fascinating topic because growing up, it's something I know I almost took for granted where the leading of others, it seems very straightforward when you're a child, you know, you have your parents that seem to know what the right and wrong things are to do. You have your school teachers who have a set curriculum and a plan to follow. And um, if you play sports or other extracurricular activities, everybody seems to know the systems. And so as you get older, you start to realize that um, it's not that straightforward. And quite often, if you're putting that role yourself, suddenly you turn around and say, well, where's the instruction manual for this? And so organically, uh, I've found that um, a lot of learning that happens in leadership happens really by following role models or sometimes um, unexpected mentors to copy uh, their actions and their behaviors. And so leadership for me was always very fascinating because I was someone that didn't consider myself a leader. You know, I always thought of myself as a very strong executor. And so it's become really interesting to me because over the years, I've had to help try and answer the question, are lead leaders born or are they made? Yeah. Yeah. And so as I um, was in college, I actually wrote one of my research papers on that very topic. And I think there's great arguments for both sides, but I do think that leaders can definitely be made and there are born leaders who can be made even better, but there are non-leaders that can be made into strong leaders as well. And that's why it's so fascinating as a topic, especially as you look at the broader society, there's emergent leaders among all of us who have great ideas and great potential. And so as a leader of leaders, how do you tap into that potential and help them become the best versions of themselves? Yeah. So, so it sounds like, it sounds like from what you're saying that in, if you're going to be a leader, even the way you described yourself, that you saw yourself not as a leader, but more of an executor. Um, the fact, the fact is that even as an executor, people are still watching you and people are still saying, Hey, you know, really like what Dominic does there. I'm going to, I'm going to do that myself. I mean, we're always living our lives for others to see. Uh, the other thing that you, you just talked about, Dominic, is about relationships and about helping others to be the best version of themselves. So even the way you introduced yourself, there is a connection between leadership and relationships. Oh, absolutely. And I was someone who was, I've always been very empathetic. And so the reason I didn't like being considered a leader is because the six people in a room say, and I can feel how each person wants to proceed and everyone has conflicting uh, goals sometimes. And so as a leader, it's quite a difficult situation because how do you make everybody happy? And yeah. the truth is you not necessarily can make everybody happy. So setting a course of direction can be quite challenging because there's conflict there. So the easier and probably safer option is to not take on that leadership role. But the problem is people around you look at you and they're, they're needing you sometimes to make a decision almost as an emergent leader. Yes. And I, yeah. And I had a close friend once turn around to me and we got into a bit of an argument and he said, 
um, you know, you're you're the leader. You need to make a decision. And I said, I'm, I'm not a leader. I don't want to be a leader. He's like, <laughs> you are a leader. And this was just a group of friends trying to decide what restaurant to go eat at. It wasn't even a high stakes conversation, but it made me realize like, wow, even though we may not consider ourselves leaders, you know, to, to your point, people around you see traits or yeah. activities or um, actions that you make and um, they look up to you as a leader. Yeah. 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 And depending on who's involved in the decision about which restaurant to go to, that can be a pretty high stakes decision. <laughs> yeah. Especially <laughs> if everyone's hungry. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so you, you talked a little bit about your research paper, are leaders born or, or can you, can you make somebody into a leader? How, how did you get interested in the whole topic of leadership? Well, it became really from my own shortcomings because I knew that leadership's important. Um, growing up, um, one of my parents, my father was a um, head teacher at a school where he was also the athletics coach. And so you see someone who's a born winner who has um, these tremendous traits of leadership. And I saw exactly how valuable that was. And even to this day, he's been retired for decades now. I still get old students of his email me from time to time saying what a great teacher he was and how crucial he was in their development, either as an athlete or as a student. And so I knew from a young age that leadership is very important and it makes such an impact on so many people's lives. The challenge I had is almost the imposter syndrome, that uncomfortable feeling of um, trying to keep everybody happy. And so that's what led me to really study it because it's obviously very important, but if you're not naturally inclined that way, how can you make yourself want to be a leader if you don't necessarily want to be a leader, even though you, you know that you necessarily have to be in a way? Yeah, so I would imagine that you have now kind of embraced your role as a leader so the really positive message I'm hearing from you is that, I mean, well, leaders are made. Leaders are, are like, you can grow in your leadership effectiveness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the big shifts in my thinking was, um, again, in sort of one of these informal coaching moments where I was with a colleague at work and the comment was basically made where, these people need you. These people are looking up to you. And that flipped everything on its head because I, here's me thinking about my own shortcomings. I'm looking at all the great leaders I've had in my life and how wonderful they are and how and I've worked with some tremendous leaders. I feel very fortunate. So I'm looking at them and I'm looking at me and I'm looking at the huge gap. But the people below me aren't looking, or I shouldn't say below, the people around me, they're not looking at that gap that I'm seeing. They're looking at the gap between them and me. Yes. Which is far shorter. And so anytime, even if someone's just one step ahead of you and they know how to do that next step, that's still a leadership opportunity. I mean, people don't necessarily want to jump 10 steps ahead. They just want to get to the next step and then the that's next right. step after that. And so realizing that, I was like, it made me appreciate, okay, I do have a lot to offer and, um, I think that's a great shift in thinking is not about ourselves, but how can we serve and help other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, that whole servant mindset that comes with being a leader. 
if leader, if, if people are required for someone to be a leader, then you certainly do want to make it as much about your own leadership as you do about, about them as followers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you have a team around you that you can build trust with and the relationships with them where they want to help you and they want you to succeed as a leader because the whole team succeeds there's a certain moment of magic there in that um it almost becomes not a team but a tribe i mean i always yes. think like if you have that tribal uh, mentality where you're in this together servant style leadership where the leader's willing to roll up their sleeves and uh, pitch in where they need to um it's incredible. It's incredible what teams can accomplish. I'm thinking that you just gave me the title of this of this podcast today, that leadership is magic. It, it's Yeah, it's certainly got a factor where you can take, and I always think, you know, that today's actually a great example. Yesterday was the end of the month for a lot of sales organizations. Um, we're running out of months this year, you know, yes. there's annual goals. So it's always amazing what teams can accomplish together at the end of the month and the end of the quarter and the end of the year. And with the right leadership, it really is magic where people can hit those goals or even stretch goals that maybe January, February didn't even look possible. Yeah. So Dominic, I'm curious to know, how would you describe your style? Like what is your, what is your leadership style? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because so much has been written about leadership that there's many different labels now sometimes for the same style of leadership a different author will then rebrand it or rename it as well um i do feel that a servant style of leadership suits me to a point where i've always been one to roll my sleeves up um certainly a democratic democratic style as, as well um the key thing for my teams has always been about communication and there's a great book written by Jill Scott called Radical Candor. And that really resonated with me where across all levels of the organization, being able to give feedback in a candid way that comes from a good place. So if a teammate or a, um, you know, a, a supportive member of the team um, have seen something or need to give feedback on something, they don't need to feel that they don't have a voice. You know, there's that forum for open communication because by giving feedback, we can get better. Yeah. And so I think that's been my big mantra is open communication. Um, just everybody has a voice. Everybody feels heard. And in that forum, in that tribal sort, sort of mentality, um, we're in it together. We're united because everybody feels heard. Everyone's clear on what the goals are and what the mission are. Everyone has their own authority in some case to help get to those goals, but everyone knows where everybody stands because there's that open communication, which is founded really in radical candor. Yeah, that that um, leadership characteristic of, well, to to um, Jill Scott's book, Radical Candor, but also your point about about coaching and about feedback, those, those characteristics are so critical for leaders. I, I'd love to talk with you about that. But I'm wondering before we do that, if I could ask you a question, because when you and I first met, we had our initial conversation, we talked about, we talked about being a leader of others yeah. um, and the difference between being a leader of others and being a leader of leaders. So when you think about your style, your leadership style, 
is your style different when you're working with just, you know, when, when you're just working with going back to what you said, maybe the, 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 um, the part of your team that are, that, that just execute, executes. Do you work differently with them versus your, your leaders of leaders? And is there a difference? And just what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, the key thing with leading a team of, of leaders who then have direct reports. Uh -huh. That's is, exactly right. Yeah, so you have to have your first team uh, as the leaders. And so by that, I mean, if everyone in the organization can see that you're a united front across the leadership team, it unites the whole organization. And so how do you do that? Well, you have to make sure that you're all on the same page. Yes. And if anyone has any problems in the group, it can be solved in a healthy way with healthy dialogue. The worst thing that can happen is if you have a team of leaders or a team of managers, say one of them is upset, they have direct reports. Suddenly that manager, instead of bringing that up to the team, the, you know, the, the leadership team, they're actually complaining to a direct report about the organization or something that was said or something you don't agree with. Once that happens, it can cause chaos because that person obviously is then going to go talk to another coworker. And before you know, it's almost like, you know, to, without simplifying it, say mom and dad are in an argument and the kids are looking on like, oh my God, they're not on the same page. Then the kids start yes. fighting. And I've seen it happen very quickly in an organization. And so when you're leading leaders, you have to make sure that the leadership team is a united front first, and then you're managing the teams below in a different way, but as an organization still on the same page. Okay. So you are, so you are, you are really doing, um, you're really doing leadership in a different way to some degree. Uh, I, I, it sounds like you are actually advocating that in an organization, the strongest team, the leadership team, it's the, it's the team of, um, it, it's your, it's your peer group that becomes the strongest team. And then it's each individual's team reporting to them that becomes the second most important. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. Because once you've got the leadership team on the same page, then things can become fair across the organization as well. So I've seen it, I've seen it done multiple ways. I've seen, I've got a good example and, and, and a bad example. So um, let's start with the bad example first. So this was something that happened very unwittingly and it was kind of a, it was an unexpected consequence where to try and create a bit of competition in the sales department, the director of sales decides to have the two local sales managers compete against each other yes. for a team. And it gets quite competitive. But the problem is now you've got two people who are competing and the teams are competing, and now you've got conflict that becomes almost unhealthy. And again, this was an unintended consequence. Yeah. But now, instead of being a united front, this team on the left is doing things differently from the team on the right, trying to beat them. And then the the actual um, the environment on the sales floor shifts because it becomes an us, us against them mentality. Yeah. yeah. There's a client that's not been claimed in the CRM. Go get that client quick. You know, you just put it under your name quick and it becomes almost underhanded. And so very quickly things can uh, fall apart. And so that's that's a, a bad example. Um, the, the best example I've seen is where 
I've seen management groups where like they're genuinely friends outside of the office and they do social gatherings together and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know over the weekends although I've seen that happen um but really just going to um sometimes leaving the office early at 3 p.m and going out um to you know restaurants and debriefing and um just talking about what team A's challenges what team B's challenges and resolving it all there and then coming up with a plan is like, okay, if we want to raise, raise the, the bar, how do we do it where it is all in together versus having people competing and, um, you know, um, undermining each other in a way for a short-term gain. Yeah. And, and almost in, in both, in both examples, it talks, or it just sounds like it's the importance of playing. I used to call these win-win games where, you know, one team wins, the whole team wins. When in your first example, where they're unwittingly, you know, competing against each other, somebody unfortunately is going to lose. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to stick with the sales department, for example, a very effective lever that I've pulled is where you have team bonuses based on the entire team's results. Yes. And so, because you, what will happen sometimes is you have a star player that keeps getting recognized, they keep getting awards. But then the the B players and C players, they start to get a bit fed up of it. And so the challenge they may have is, okay, how can I do, well, do I, can I raise my game to that level? Probably not, but I can bring them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then suddenly you see maybe it could be a comment in the break room. It could be um, just some other bit of gossip in the corner. Next thing that star player starts to feel a bit uncomfortable. The environment changes. Now their performance drops. And even though the B or C player hasn't done anything great, or they brought the other person down a peg, and so that's at least a small victory for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can imagine how toxic that can be. But if you have a team goal, and let's just say you're $200,000 short, but then the A player brings in a $200,000 sale, now everybody gets a commission bonus based off that. Yeah. They yeah. love the A player. And and so that's a, that's a, a lever that I've always found effective is just, and obviously each organization is different, but where you have control over the commission and the payment structure, where it's conducive to a team victory, where yes, there's winners and losers in sales just because of the nature of how quantifiable it is, but there's a way for everybody to win. And that's with that, you know, whether it's a quarterly bonus or annual bonus based on everyone's performance. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Great. Really, really terrific examples. Thank you for sharing, for sharing um, all of that. Um, Dominic, the other thing that you're making me think of, is, are, are you familiar with Patrick Lencioni? Um, Patrick Lencioni wrote the um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He's part of the oh, table group. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. he really, he talks about that, just the way you were describing the leadership team you know, or whatever, that that first team, that one team, he really talks about that being the most important team. Um, so if you're a leader, if you're a leader, that team is really in some ways more important than the people that are reporting to you. And the alignment and the way that we're working together and the shared vision, just the way you described it. Um, so, so yeah, that whole concept of one team is, it, it is critical. Yeah, and that's such a great book. And you reminded me of another instance where, and this is a great way to lead leaders is often, and again, sticking with a sales department example. So you have a seller who's hungry, they want to go get the sale. 
they have to go to the manager because that's the chain of command. But the manager also then has to go to their director to get approval on what this salesperson wants to do. So if that happens two, three, four times, eventually the salesperson says, well, why am I going to my manager? I'll just go to the director direct. It'll be yeah. a lot faster and I won't have to wait. Yeah. And so two things can happen there. So the director could give a very quick answer. Yep, it's approved. That's great. The salesperson that takes it to the manager and they say, well, I didn't approve this. Oh, no, but your, your boss did. So we're good. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. So now immediately that's caused um, some disruption to the first team, you know, the leadership yes. team. Yeah. He's been on the so the best thing I would always recommend is if you're in an office building, you know, you, you take the hungry salesperson and say, you know, that's a great question. Let's go ask your manager. I'm good with it, but let's ask them if um, they're on board too. All three of you go into the office. You say, okay, what do you all think? Okay, yep, we're on the same page. Great. So it just shows that person that, hey, we're a united front. And you know, it takes a little bit more work just to walk down the corridor and have that conversation. But you do that two or three times, that salesperson's going to stop going to the director and, and realize that the manager is, even if it's the director really making the decision, it puts yes. the power back in the manager's hands. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about that because it's a it's an interesting thing. And I was hoping that we were going to get to get to this. So thanks for making this happen organically. I'm assuming that the director, and you're in this example that you're talking about, the director needs to build a relationship with, you know, with the people and the team members who report to the manager. It is is I mean, that's that's important, right? Yeah, absolutely. So and um you know, this is the interesting dynamic with in-person office yes. environments versus yes. remote. Because yeah. in an office, one thing I used to love doing is catching someone doing something good. And in the moment coaching where people might not be looking, but they're listening and they hear that in the moment feedback and the coaching and the involvement. And it really just helps raise the, the whole organization's sort of feeling of camaraderie where yeah. they can see you know, high-level manager who's on the sales floor, for example, engaging, celebrating a win or even just celebrating a birthday or an anniversary or something, it, it just sets the tone from the top, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no question that our hybrid and our remote environments are making are making leadership, you know, more challenging. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the word difficult, even though I think maybe it is more difficult, certainly more challenging. But so how... If, because you just said, um, Dominic, that it is important. It's important for the director to get to know the, the the team members. How do you do that? You know that you've got a layer in between. You've got that manager. How do you develop relationships with those team members that report to the manager? Yeah, so there's there's different ways I've seen it done well. One of my favorites was having a breakfast only just monthly. But, and it would be randomly drawn, but it would be different people from different departments. And so you'd have a team of six where maybe, and just to use a television station example, so you might have somebody from engineering, for example, somebody from the news department, someone from the sales department, someone from marketing and promotions. So now you've got different people, but it's informal enough where you get to know them outside of the actual, the role that you know they have in the organization yes. and it just it just helps build that sort of personal connection really yes yeah so seeing so seeing folks outside of the work environment uh maybe to to know who they really are 
Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. I think that's a great way. Or even just sometimes in the conference room, just bringing breakfast in or bringing a lunch in or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other way as well is, um, you know, just through the manager leveraging that the fact they have a strong relationship and saying, hey, can I just join a one-on-one -on -one meeting? I'd just love to hear what you guys are doing. It's a bit more formal and, you know, you probably won't get the 100% authentic, you yeah. know, but you're still engaged enough where um, you're not this mysterious person behind a door that no one ever sees on the front lines. So letting somebody see how you work, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and just being, yeah, I think it comes down to engagement, which is easy to say. It's easy to yeah. say, well, you should be engaged with everybody. Well, we would love that. But I think there is a way to be strategic where at least, you know, that that one employee that comes back who had, um, you know, lunch with this the, the CEO at the, at the lunch table, they then tell the peers about the experience and it has an indirect um, influence on the rest of the team as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 all of those examples, I really like the food examples as well, whether it's outside of work or inside of work, but the point being that you're, you're engaging in conversation that is not about work. Um, and and I, I just think that's so great. I do want to ask you, um, Dominic, as we've been talking the, the, this question popped into my head, and I, I want to make sure that we get to this. Are your expectations different? Like, do you expect more from a team member who is a leader versus, again, going back to your language of, 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 of a minute ago, just an executor, just a, just a team member? Are your expectations different? Yes, they have to be. Um... Ideally, everybody would have the same mentality of camaraderie. We're all in this together. But, um, you know, for managers, it's it really is that case where sometimes they're going to have to explain to somebody that pay structure has changed in the company. And uh, and again, using a sales example, um, your commission percentage is going lower. But if you hit this new goal, then you'll actually be better off next year than you were this year. At which point the salesperson says, well, I've now, I now have to sell two times as much with a low percentage. And he's like, yeah, but we're going to give you the tools. It becomes a very difficult conversation. Yeah. And so you almost want, in the sales example, you almost want salespeople to be selfish because that's what makes them good in terms of getting the revenue in the house and things like that. But for a frontline leader especially, I think it's one of the hardest layers yeah. of management Yes. Because quite often you have like they they're not the one controlling the new commission structure change, and yet they're the one that has to communicate it. It's going to impact somebody's you know family and beyond. So I think the expectations have to be higher because the job the job challenges are are it's, yeah yeah. I mean, just the way you just described that scenario, you know, I oftentimes um, used to used to say that. The frontline leader, I think, has a has a particularly challenging, maybe even the most one of the most harder jobs in an organization, because they're communicating a lot of information, and they didn't really they weren't part of the decision making at all. But they've got to be the voice of the organization. They have to they have to know it. They have to they have to share it like they like they have to they have to communicate it like they really own it. Yeah, it's it's a really challenging position. And quite often as well, that role might be an individual contributor that they see that they do a great job and they say, oh, well, you'd be great in management because look at all the success you've had. And suddenly they're put in this management position 
maybe without the re- you know the training because it's a whole different skill set yeah. and now they're in this difficult situation and there's different personalities at play especially if they're managing peers and it's been a promotion yeah, and, and yeah and so that whole dynamic and there's a great book actually written by um a lady called Janet Polak and it's called In the Lead and, and she talks about this where um the frontline managers they often don't get the same level of training as the C-suite and quite often they're put in very difficult situations to succeed because um they don't have the experience and it's a new skill set that's required and organizations can lose top talent by um not helping these frontline leaders succeed yeah so again as as you're talking one of the things that makes me think of going back to the conversation about feedback that you're you do have pretty high expectations for the way a leader of others is going or a leader of leaders is going to receive feedback and how they're going to act as they're receiving feedback yeah i, I think 360s um you know the 360 yeah. evaluations yes. they are phenomenal because i love the fact that they'll do different layers of analysis so you know you've got direct reports giving feedback on a manager you've got peers giving feedback on the manager and i've been through multiple 360s and I remember there was one time I got some scores back that I was mortified by. I was like, I can't believe this. Like, this is not expected, you know. And my boss looked at it and says, you know, I'm happy that you got that score because you're doing something right. I said, what do you mean? I said, we don't know who gave you those scores on your team, but I've got a good idea, you know, who it's from. Yeah, You're asking them to step outside their comfort zone and do something that they really need to step up and perform. So of course you're not going to get a good score with those two because that's what I'm asking you to do. So I'm really happy that you're, you're doing what I'm asking you to do, even though it's not the easy thing to do. And so that's where I think a strong leader of leaders, someone could have looked at that and said, Oh, you you got a two out of five. What's going on there? All all the rest of fours and fives is a problem, but they had the experience and expertise to say, that's why. And then they were right. They were right. Yes, absolutely. Are they right? Yeah, absolutely. So Dominic, that's so great to hear um, your your thoughts. Well, not only about the 360 feedback process, um, but but again, just how important people and particularly leaders respond to feedback and to coaching. It, it, it makes me also think that the way they are, the way that they're responding is kind of informing how they're going to deliver coaching and feedback to their teams as well. I I agree. Um, one of the best uh, ex- exercises I've done as a frontline leader is an interview with my direct reports, asking them, how do you want to be managed? How do you want to receive feedback? How do you want to receive praise? And it was it's something I wish I'd learned sooner in my career because that sets the tone for the whole relationship. And something I took for granted was I just presumed everybody liked to be praised in public. Yeah. And I had a a, a direct report and she's like, please never congratulate me in public. I still want to be congratulated. Don't get me wrong. But for me, I'd much rather just receive a private email with me, you and the director on than being celebrated in a staff meeting. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like I'm turning people off on my team doing something I think is good by giving them praise. Yes. And, and it's the same with feedback as well. You know, how do you like to receive feedback? Yes. Yeah. Dominic, I I really love that. May I just may I just stop and say 
Um, I really love that. I, I, um, and that is the heart of relationships. And that's how our conversation started today was all about relationships. And the leadership is about relationships. And when you ask people those, those kinds of questions, um, you know, people, people as a result of that team members have to feel included. They have to feel like I have a voice here that somebody cares enough to not only ask me, but then they're going to follow through and they're going to demonstrate um, exactly what I've told them. So I, I really appreciate your leadership and I really appreciate you for highlighting that as part of our, our conversation today. Yeah, you know, and we talked about relationships quite a lot and it's been a big motivator for me because as a new leader, especially, I suddenly realized I needed to get organized very quickly. Yes. And as I've gone up the chain of command at different organizations, I've had to get better at delegating as well. And quite often I haven't wanted to delegate because I've thought, oh, I'll just take care of it myself. But again, I had a sort of light bulb moment where I realized the better I am at organization, the better I am at delegating gives me more time to have better relationships with my team. And then I can go deeper in the organization of stronger relationships. So by not having the right systems in place and not delegating effectively, it actually hampers my ability to lead because yeah. we only have so much bandwidth that we can you know, execute on in a day. Well, and you know, you know this as well, but would love your comments. Um, on it, but you know, delegation, you know, is an art as well. You know, if you if you delegate properly, which is not dumping, you know, or giving somebody the things that you don't want to do, but delegation becomes a real art where you're really developing a person's skill set. Uh, absolutely, and you've got to be careful sometimes as well with simple comments when you delegate someone like apologizing to someone to, for delegating something where mm. they may take complete pride. And, you know, in, in media, we're so um, content rich with graphics and video and things like that. Building out a PowerPoint presentation is an art form. And so delegating something like that, where you say, hey, can you build you know this deck out, um, could easily be taken the wrong way where someone spent hours on a deck and they go, I'm so sorry, I'm asking you to do this. Can you just build this deck out for me? And they're like, why Why are you sorry? Like, I've, I've actually taken a lot of pride in this. Right. You know, and so the reason I would sometimes apologize when delegating was just because of the empathy piece. Like, oh, I feel bad for giving this because I really feel I should be doing it myself, but I can't do it myself. You know, that's the inner dialogue. But to your point, um, delegating effectively, like, hey, we've got this presentation coming up. Can you take the lead on this deck? Work your magic on it. When it comes back, lots of praise for or fixing, you know, whichever way it needs to be got, done. But ultimately, when it goes well, given the praise, far better than, you know, the, the first example I gave, which I myself have, have been the, you know, the um, guilty of earlier in my career. Love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love the way that you just said that. And, and the, again, the example, you've been really great with examples today. So appreciate the way you have Kind of brought your points to life. I appreciate that, Dominic. Um, we're, we're we're getting to the end. I, I want to give you one one last opportunity as you think about our listeners who not only are interested in leadership, but they're interested in maybe how it differs when you're leading. You know, the executors versus the the leader of leaders. 
um, you know, curious to know if you have any final thoughts for for those that are listening to this podcast today. Yeah, I, you know, lead, leadership in itself can be challenging, but it's also one of the most rewarding. Yeah, you know, parts of any job. And then leading leaders, I think, is even greater because you really see these special moments where there might be some magic in somebody that's untapped. And you can see a moment where there's a coming together where you might have the vision as a CEO or the top line leader, but then seeing the next level of management executing that with their team and getting a, a positive result and then seeing them replicate that across the whole team and then, and then it becomes contagious almost as a catalyst across the, the organization. And so I think that's the most rewarding thing is the long-term impact and flipping the thought of the, there is pressure, don't get me wrong, but all that pressure doesn't need to be internalized because yeah. the reality is you're helping people become the best version of themselves. And so the, when I made that shift myself as a service, like, wow, I'm not as good as I think I'm ever going to be, or I, I'm not as good as that person or good as that leader, but look at the impact I can make and flip it and then see. And I was very fortunate to, um, you know, get a 360 result, you know, feedback where Dominic's the best leader I've ever had. And right. it blew my mind because number one, this is early in my career, but first of all, Dominic and leader in the same sentence, which I hadn't envisioned myself to be. Um, and then to get that level of, um, praise was it, it was phenomenal and we all have the opportunity to have that impact on other people's lives yeah and yeah. it's about putting them first and serving them and then without sounding cliche but everybody wins yeah that, that, yeah yeah so i'm hearing dominic um i love to summarize what i'm hearing is um that leadership that it's there's a there's a there's a um a real distinct responsibility, a sobering responsibility that comes with leadership because you are you are really impacting others. The other thing I heard you say is that when you delegate well and you can see the impact your leadership has, your your reach, your influence, your influence and your reach really does permeate throughout the entire organization. And so of course you would want you would want people to say, Dominic is a great leader. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to work with him and to work for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's it becomes contagious almost within the organization where um, if the leader's setting the tone and they're engaged and supportive, then, um, it yeah, like I say, it becomes contagious and other people, um, you know, adopt that. One more thing I'll say, and this is actually a, a great story because not all leadership is easy. Where I've, I've given some really positive examples where it's easy to give people praise and things like that. But I have um, the opposite where I did have one leader where he would just set a very high expectation and he'd have a whiteboard and he'd have five different goals that we'd have. And I remember looking at this list and thinking, how on earth are we going to accomplish this? And he's like, that's, the, that's what we're going to do. And everyone was all aligned and we're all in. And we're trying to get it. And, you know, it, it made for some late nights. And um, I just learned the term um, rain check. You know, it's not a British term. It's more of an American thing. Like, can I take a rain check? And yeah. so I was meant to be taking my wife out for dinner and that night. And I said, oh, um, hey, can I take a rain check? And can we just do it another night? 
And she was like, fine, no problem. Like clearly not happy. And so the next day we have our reports due and we, we, you know, we're about to achieve this goal. And my, um, my, um, my manager, like there's two of us who both were co-managers. Um, he's like, Oh, how did the dinner go? And I said, Oh no, I had to cancel. I had to ask for a rain check. And he's like, wait, you asked your wife to take a rain check when you offered to take her out for dinner. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, puts his head in his hands. Like, are you kidding me? So anyway, I'm now embarrassed. Like, what was I even thinking? But, you know, work was the priority in that, that night. Anyway, the general manager of the whole organization comes into my office that afternoon and he says, did I hear correctly that you asked your wife for a rain check so you could work on this? I said, yeah. He's like, I really appreciate that, but you are not working late tonight. I want you to go to this restaurant. You're going to take your wife. You're going to expense it on the company. And promise me, never, ever ask her to what? take a rain check again. <laughs> awesome story. That is. <laughs> and, and so it went from her hating my job to, oh, my goodness, this is the, I love your boss. He's amazing. Oh, my goodness. You know, and then, you know, it's a nice surf and turf dinner and everything else. He's, he's like, get the expensive bottle of wine. And so that was a great moment of leadership where we had really high expectations and we were all committed to the goal, but never in a million years did I think I'd be re rewarded in that way for making right. that sacrifice. <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the next time somebody asks me, well, how do you want um, to be recognized? I want to be recognized with a nice surf and turf dinner with a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. Dominic, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you again for your time. And we've gone a little bit over today, but um, the conversation has been so um, well. It's it's just been so easy, and it's been it's been really pleasant. Um, thanks for your final thoughts. Um, but but again, thank you so much. I really have enjoyed talking with you. You too, Tim. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For those listening, you have joined a get podcast. I am Tim Malone, owner, owner of Your Life's Direction, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today for this conversation. If you would like to join me as a guest on a future GET podcast, reach out to me at tim at yourlifesdirection.org, and you can use that same address if you're a leader who would like information on working with me as, on, as an executive coach. Dominic, thanks again. For our listeners, thank you for your time and wish you all the best.